If you know me, you know I love high-quality clothes and occasionally a luxury item here or there, but I hate spending luxury prices, so I rarely buy anything really nice for myself. That was until I discovered Quince. They have so much good stuff for you guys. Quince offers a range of high-quality items at prices within reach. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters from $50, washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part is that everything is priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Love that. It's also really important to me that the clothes I wear are created in a safe environment. And Quince only works with factories that use ethical and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So obviously, I really love that. I bought a Mongolian cashmere sweater from Quince and no joke, I have worn it once a week, all fall and winter long. It's so soft, premium quality, and looks like I spent a fortune on it, but it was only 50 bucks. I've told all of my friends about Quint. I also love their men's line and have gotten some nice activewear and performance tees for Andrew that he loves. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eastham for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eastfam to get free shipping and a 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Eastfam. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Couple Things. With Sean and Andrew. A podcast all about couples. And the things they go through. Guys, D-Day is quickly approaching. Can you believe it? No. I'm getting... I was like, dude, it's almost November. It's November tomorrow. That's crazy. Which dude. means like we're a month away. I, I was also thinking, I mean, that's crazy. We're coming on on four years of this podcast. That's yeah. crazy. I'm freaking 32 years old. That's crazy. That we have crazy. a four-year-old. How I mean, do we have is... a four-year-old? I don't know, man. Life, life is just moving quickly. Oh, it's moving really fast. Don't forget to stop and smell the, the roses, I know. as they say, you know? Um, you guys have requested this episode for a while. We did one a long time ago and thought we would bring it back, which is just... A Q&A. You guys had a lot of really, really, ri- whoa, <laughs> really, really good questions <laughs> about parenting, marriage, motherhood, getting ready for baby, all of it. Um, let's put the asterisk in there now. We don't have any of this figured out, but we'll tell you what we're going through and how we're getting through it. We used to do Q&As much more than we do now. Yep. And I miss them, to be honest. They're always really fun. We've done a couple on the main channel, and all the questions were about pretty much how often do we get jiggy Freaky. with it <laughs> while you're pregnant. That's pretty much the full theme of that video. No, anyway. I feel like that's the question, pregnant or not. That's all people want to know. It's like there's more to life. You know, like We enjoy that Every part of it. Every day. <laughs> all right, let's go ahead and dive into okay. it, shall we? So these are all from Instagram. Thank you for partaking. Yes, we it's- had thousands come in within like minutes. It was wild. Um. If you didn't know, if you just listened to us on a podcast, oh, first yeah. of all, that's really interesting to think about. How did you come across Sean and Andrew if it's yeah. just on podcast? But we're also on YouTube, which yeah. is my favorite. Instagram is Sean's favorite. Yeah. TikTok. Uh, Facebook, TikTok, email newsletters. <laughs> we're everywhere. <laughs> uh, thank goodness that we have people to help us do that. Yeah. Anyway, so these are from Instagram. First up, you said you're about to have your first child. What's the best advice you've gotten for the dynamic shift within marriage? Whew. This person is about to have their first child. Your world's about to be rocked. Um, I would say 
What's the best advice we've been given for the dynamic shift? Not to be like, I don't, I don't mean to be negative with this. I don't think anybody gave us any advice or warned us that there would be a dynamic shift within our marriage before our first baby. People generally say, wow, it changes everything like you just did. Yeah. But specifically, I think that it's different being married to a mom. And what I mean by that Mm -hmm. is my wife, who was like previously just my best friend pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, romantic partner, the whole thing now became like her focus and intensity of love was channeled towards a child. Um, And so she's like, you know, Sean displayed that through being super scheduled, being routine or like very routine. She wasn't like there would be certain things that I felt like would have been a conversation in a past life. But with a child, she's like, she shuts it down. Absolutely not. I'm not going to entertain that. She's you're probably like that same way with me where just more. Hey, don't hold the baby like that. Mm -hmm. And it comes off as like, okay, wow. You know, it's a little jarring. (laughs) Yeah. And then also. It's fascinating within marriage and within a friends group, like the lifestyle differences and preferences really get exaggerated and highlighted I feel like so if you're into holistic medicine that really displays itself when you have a child or if you're routine oriented like Mm -hmm. Sean and I that really displays itself when you have a child so those are some of the more specific ways that your life changes as well as the identity change that you go through Mm -hmm. individually so Sean became a mom that's like a big identity shift like it's like that's dang near immediate and then you if if you're a husband like i was uh you go through this shedding of yourself almost is how i describe it where you're like okay i'm not golfing with the boys i remember before we had drew it was our schedule beforehand was like andrew's hanging out with the guys and we i was doing that was my quick video game phase with some of the guys and you lose that and so it's like this big identity shift. Your time changes, how you know what your focus on changes. It is really like walking into another phase of life. I think I've had the same. <laughs> I've had the same meltdown with every kid around like the thirty-two, three-week mark, where I just start crying because <laughs> I remember with Drew, I had this fear. Of Andrew is my best friend. He is my partner in crime, everything. And I was like, I'm afraid of what another person within our family will do to that dynamic. And I have that same fear with every baby. I'm like, how is it going to change us? And I think the greatest piece of advice I could give you guys is understand that things change. Understand that like your dynamic is going to change. But look at it as going back to your dating phase. Like, get to know your now husband, who's now a dad. Get to know your wife, who's now a mom. Start dating again. Court each other. Don't forget that you're still husband and wife. Because I feel like a lot of times you can get consumed by being just mom and dad. Yeah. There's a lot of shifts that happen. All right, next. What is your love language at the moment and has your love language changed over time? For those that don't know, the love languages are acts of service, words of affirmation, physical touch, gift giving, and quality time. Mm. Do you want to answer for each other? 
Sure. I think Sean's love language right now is uh, physical touch. Mm-hmm. What do you think mine is? Words of affirmation. I think you're right. Yeah. But I kind of think they've kind of always been that. I don't know if they've changed a lot. I feel like I've needed it more. Words of mm-hmm. affirmations. I feel like it's shifted. I feel like quality time was big, but I wonder where that happened. I'm totally good with it. Life has been interesting. It's been yeah. jarring, and I feel like I have lost a lot of people that used to just subtly give me words of affirmation. Yeah. So I need that now more it's from, from you. me. Just solely one. <laughs> I, and need, I need to diversify my. I don't know. I think things just change or enhance over time because what life looks like changes over time. It's not always the same. Mm-hmm. Never. I just need more comfort now. I just need you to like hold me. Tell me it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. What daily habits do you do that have been or had a huge impact on your life? Wow. Let me try to just deconstruct our day I here. Know. We haven't done a day in the life in a long time, by the way. We haven't. We should. Well, <laughs> yeah. our day in life is about to drastically yeah. change. Yeah. Um, I would say one of my favorite things that we've implemented over the years that I love that we do every day is what we call Bev time. Mm-hmm. And I think this is more for like parents, but it could be for any couple. Um, after we put the kids down, at night so like our day has been consumed by work and kids and being mom and dad um after we put the kids down we come downstairs and we sit around our table and share a drink of some kind whether it's like you get a glass of water whatever and we spend like 10 minutes or more um just kind of debriefing our day talking to each other as husband and wife going over anything that we haven't shared with each other yet from the day or Get prepared for the next day. But it's like our time to connect. Yeah, what do they say? You need 90 minutes a week mm-hmm. of connection to keep a marriage healthy. So that's 70 right there. Yeah. It, it's It's gone a long way. Um, honestly, I think I, I, I wake up at like 5, 530. Mm-hmm. And we'll usually listen to a sermon. Um, I used to wake up at like seven and mm-hmm. we used to turn on the today show like every day every day and this was 10 years ago and i think the sermon has made a big change because it just it's like a more profound way to wake up your day than just get a deluge of negative information mm-hmm. you know and you're like oh, okay i like the the heady thoughts mm-hmm. of a sermon i like you know the idea of thinking about god as opposed to tragedies of the world and i think that's made me a better dad and husband Mm -hmm. you know as opposed to me coming in stressed right out the gate yeah you good yeah i feel like the news used to stress us out so much and so we got rid of it um i would also say without us knowing that we do this i'm realizing that we do this which is we have coffee every single morning um but only one person makes coffee and whoever that is makes coffee for both people so Whoever goes over to the coffee machine always makes coffee for but like both Andrew and I. Not a third party. I don't know how to make that make sense, but I think being able to share coffee together and like 
bring it to one another each morning has been really special. It's like a small olive branch to yeah. start the day. So like, like if I go over to the coffee machine, I'm making coffee for me and Andrew, and I get to take it to him, and it's special. There's a ton of daily habits we have, though. Sean and I yeah. are Sean and I are very routine oriented, and I've yeah. embraced it. I used to think I was like a free for all. But I never was. You never were. Uh, next question. Do you ever worry about middle child syndrome with having three kids? This person wants three kids, but they're anxious about uh, the middle child syndrome, which is uh, believing that middle children don't receive as much attention and thus they act out. What is the Lord teaching you both in this season is the final part of that question. Uh, I'm a middle child. I'm the middle of five. I freaking love middle children. I think we're the <laughs> the most well-balanced and uh, well-rounded. Are you saying this about yourself? Yeah. No, just generally. <laughs> no, just generally. <laughs> I think we're the most we're uh, the most well-balanced people. I think most intellectual. Mm, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. Wor- I've never worried about that in my life. I I don't think I'm worried about middle child syndrome. I am feeling the same fear with Jet right now that I felt with Drew when Jet was on the way, which is. I just don't feel like I've had enough one-on-one time with him. And I know he's going to get less time because of another kid. Same with Drew. She's going to get less time because there's another kid. And he's my baby right now. So to see that like another baby is going to replace the baby role scares me. And honestly, I feel like of all children that could handle being a middle child, Jet is the I know, is well but he's positioned. my baby. He's like super independent. Actually, Drew is very independent as well, but Jet can just go play on his bike for an hour and a half. I know. He already does that. Okay, mamas, ladies. After having three babies, I never thought I would wear an underwire bra again until I found Skims. So right before I had Bear, Skims sent me a couple of maternity bras, and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wear maternity bras. They're so uncomfortable. They're not for me. I tried them on. They are the most supportive, most amazing, only maternity bra I have worn this entire pregnancy. On top of that, the material is so soft and the straps are adjustable for maximum comfort. And it fits every woman out there. They have a million sizes to choose from. My favorite Skims bra ever is the, quote, fits everybody t-shirt bra. And it's literally the best t-shirt bra I have ever worn. It's seamless, Flawless, perfect. You're going to love it. If you're a fan of no underwire, the products I would highly recommend are the wireless form t-shirt bra and the no-show unlined demi bra. I like the color sand because you can't see it through white t-shirts, which is the color I usually go with, but they have a color for everybody. Whether you're pregnant, postpartum, nursing, or none of the above, and you just want a good bra, go to Skims. They've got one for everyone. Shop Skims bras at skims.com. Now available in 62 sizes. 30A all the way to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select couple things in the drop-down menu that follows. Skims.com. Sean, I got a question for you. Okay. What is it? On a scale from chug to sip, (laughs) how would you rate your hydration style? Um... Interesting question. I would say I'm a sip girl. I sip on my coffee for literally hours and sip on water throughout the day. What about you? I would say I'm a chug type of guy, no doubt. But whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV 
quenches your thirst faster than water alone. I actually really love Liquid IV, especially since nursing bear. I feel like I'm always thirsty. I like that it's sugar-free and it's fun to sip on throughout the day. The flavors are really good, and I've loved having a flavored drink rather than just water in my cup. My favorite flavor is the lemon-lime, and Sean loves strawberry and tropical punch. It's crazy to me that one stick in 16 ounces of water has three times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks and eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness. Yes, sir. That's why they say it hydrates better than water alone. However you hydrate, grab your Liquid IV hydration multiplier sugar-free in bulk nationwide at Costco or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code EASTFAM at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code EASTFAM at liquidiv.com. Hold on. We didn't answer the second part. Oh, what is the Lord teaching us both in this season? Honestly, so I just started my PhD and they say like... uh, Okay. I know, I'm going to say that. No, I'm going to say that at least <laughs> 80 times. I'm not calling you Doc. <laughs> uh, uh, they say that that's an interesting degree to get because you realize the the boundaries and the limits of your own knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've learned that in my brief time starting that degree, but also I've learned my limits in life as a whole. Mm-hmm. I used to try to... I mean, by used to, I mean like two months ago, up okay. until two months ago, okay. my entire life until two months ago, yeah. feel like I need to be the best at everything, physically, financially, intellectually, father, husband, mm-hmm. and that is impossible to do, is what I'm realizing now at the age of 32, and uh, I don't know, there's something peaceful about coming to terms with the fact that you can't do it all, you know, and it's like, it's humbling. You got to just kind of look at yourself in the mirror and be like, you you can't do it. You can't do it. And that hurts sometimes, but Mm -hmm. that's what I'm learning. I think I am learning more and more with each kid since we're on our third. Um, (laughs) I feel like with our daughter, with our first, I felt like my fists were like so tight. I would like Mm -hmm. clench control so hard. I wanted to control absolutely everything. I wanted to protect her. I wanted to control her milestones. I wanted, like, everything. I just wanted to be in control of the situation. You have a second kid, you kind of loosen the reins a little bit. And I've just kind of gotten to this point where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a deep breath. I'm going to pray for you. I I know God's got you. I'm going to pray for your heart. And I'm going to do the best I can. But I'm... I'm going to know it's going to be okay. It's like it's like in introducing and welcoming faith. Yeah. You know, whenever I look at pictures of our kids from the past year, I'm amazed at how fast they're growing up. Oh my gosh, me too. And we've been doing a deep dive into old photos lately. Sometimes the thought hits me hard that I'm getting older too. And this has led me to think a lot about the legacy I want to leave behind, what kind of parent I want to be, and things like our family's financial security. We've been talking a lot about this recently and are excited to share that Fabric by Gerber Life makes it simple to get the protection that's right for your family. Life insurance doesn't have to be some big confusing topic. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. 10 minutes is crazy fast. Plus it's all online and on your schedule. No appointments, scheduling, or piles of paperwork. Just apply when it's convenient for you. 
This is the first company I've heard of where you can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required, and they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash eastfam. That's meetfabric.com slash eastfam. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash eastfam. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. We'll also link it down below and let's get back to it. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Okay, next question. What is your favorite quirky trait about each other? Hmm. I haven't thought about this in a while. You're so loud. I am. You're so loud. I am pretty loud. And you're just like a giant, giant goofball. And there was a season of life where I tried to like tame it. And now I'm like, no. It's really cute. Mm. I love it. I love it. I can always tell when Sean gets excited because I usually get myself in more ridiculous situations than you. But you're always very excited that I'm still alive and have a story to tell. Yeah. And whenever we're telling that story, you're always excited to tell that story for me, even if you weren't there. And I used to get annoyed by that. But now I'm like, no, she's just excited too. And I appreciate that. I love you. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> um, uh, if you don't mind sharing, how has your experience with grief been in this season after losing... Andrew's dad is grief tougher for you around the holidays. I mean, TBD. This is we're ten months into this thing, I guess. So this is the first full holiday season that we'll go through. Mm -hmm. We'll keep you updated on that. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to talk about because it's such an ambiguous thing mm -hmm. that is simultaneously like something that I think about often, but also not really. I don't really like think about in a concrete. Uh, way like i don't think about how sad i am you know it's like mm -hmm. you, people die you move on you, you gotta keep doing it i gotta keep waking up and being a dad and a husband and doing the things but there is like this under maybe undercurrent of slight melancholy mm -hmm. um maybe like a little more seriousness towards life responsibility um, it's been interesting to see how people around me have also grieved, mm -hmm. which has almost then increased my need to be responsible. So, but, but yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how you talk about grief. It's hard. I think I'll say this since I am like one step removed, I feel like I've been able to witness a lot more and like being your wife who knows that like. My husband lost his father. I've been able to kind of, I think, more objectively witness the situation and grieve differently. But I think something that's been really, really cool and powerful that has helped you grieve and your whole family and your siblings is that you guys are so close that you're so concerned about each other 
in the grieving process that you're constantly checking in with each other. Like you're noticing when someone's taking a new hobby a little too seriously and you're like, is this because of dad or is this something new? Mm. And you're noticing changes in your oldest brother who's just like changed in such beautiful ways and become like yeah, such an amazing leader and it, it's really cool. And I think you guys are so hyper aware of each other that it's helped you through the grieving process. And you're so concerned about mom and that I think it's caused you all to reflect more on yourselves as well. Wow, that was really well said. I haven't thought about that. I appreciate you saying that though. I think it's been the same too with all of the wives. Like we've really checked in on each other, checked in on our, like our husbands, been able to have that line of communication with each other. Like, oh my, Andrew had a hard time talking about this today. And we can kind of converse and be like, I think that's because of dad, you know, JD or guys doing the same thing or whatever. It's it's just having that community of family that's really helped us. It still blows my mind that like everyone has someone close to them that has mm -hmm. died. And then we're all kind of just walking around this earth with a little bit of sadness. You know, mm -hmm. it's like, but people keep it going. They but keep. It, but it makes joy so much better. Having experienced loss and grief and sadness because it becomes redefined. It's not a material. It's like, it just makes it better. Yeah. And the question about, is it tougher on the holidays? Um, there have been milestones all year that, you know, normal family vacations or new babies or whatever that have been tougher. But it's also given us more chances to be like, dang, dad, I miss you. I love you. And we'll all get to laugh about what dad would be doing right now or... It's made us appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, next question. How did you find your post-athlete identity and purpose again? Go Trial and error. And a lot of time. Community, therapy, and just like you're refinding a passion that has consumed your life. So you have to realize it takes a lot of time. Well, you're not refining it. You're like burying one passion. Yeah. And having to find a totally new one. Trying to fill a void. I'm pretty excited. We're actually just about to finish a documentary about Sean's post-Olympic journey to date. One that I didn't know existed and I have yet to see. It's, so It's really well produced, though. You're excited regardless. I don't know. I would say this. Everything outside of athletics when you're an athlete feels really abstract and kind of unexciting and uh, less tangible than athletics did. It's like... You sit there, you move on to a job, and you're like, what do you mean I'm going to make X amount of money to sit at a desk and send emails for a day when you're used to, like, the physical labor of running or flipping or moving weights, whatever it is for you. It just doesn't feel as, like, exciting or worthwhile, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so there's that, just acknowledging that, but also embracing the fact that you have a wonderful brain that you've been given. And then the other thing is realizing that you've spent years and years of practicing day in and day out uh, to finesse to the ultimate degree your sport, right? And like making tweaks to how you're holding the baseball or how you're doing your volleyball grip, whatever mm -hmm. it is. 
Um, and the next thing you do, you have not practiced as much as what you just transitioned out of. Mm-hmm. You have not tri- you have not practiced your finances as much as you practiced football. Um, and so you're just not going to be as good at it. So realizing that you're kind of regressing and starting a new journey mm-hmm. that you can that you can practice a lot. I am realizing we have so many questions. So Let's I'm going to cut us both off. Let's do rapid fire. Rapid fire. Next one. How do you let each other know when you are in the mood or mm-hmm. not in the mood? And how do you deal with the lack of physical in- intimacy in pregnancy? Wow. Too soon. Too soon. I really struggle with this because my love language is physical touch, whether it's in like the ow-ow way or not. Ow-ow. It, I, I struggle with it. And I just get uncomfortable. I don't feel myself. I want to be able to connect on a physical level, but it's just not there. Um, I would just say a lot of communication. A lot of communication. We know people that light candles uh, or whatever, do like a sock on the door or whatever it is. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Sean and I have just gotten to pass the bashfulness of, hey, should we throw down? And we kind of we call naked time different things so it's like hey you know should we should we do this right now or not and it approaches it in a funny way so yeah uh and then the lack of physical intimacy it's tough it's a phase (laughs) you gotta go through it so you do it you just go through it next question what are the most helpful things a husband can do when their wife is postpartum sometimes it feels like i don't know how to help when my wife has a baby but i really want to i respect it dude I think it changes daily. I think it changes weekly. So I think the best thing you can do is ask. Outside of that, um, little things around the house. Try to like help with laundry or clean dishes or whatever. But I think ask her because I think it's going to change a lot. I actually disagree with you as the husband. I think without asking, use the five love languages and and try – Un, unasked mm-hmm. each of those things like bring unprompted bring home flowers and see what she thinks and i'll start a fun conversation or like ask or give her back rub and it'll prompt a fun conversation or do the dishes without being asked and then go from there if she was like hey that meant a lot or like wow that was so special do a little bit more of that i also think too there, you're gonna pick up trends of like for me, it was around the five o'clock time every day with Jet that I struggled. So, like, find the vulnerable times and see how you can take weight off of her then. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I also think expressing your desires. So, like, yeah. hey, babe, I know that it's tough with the baby, but I would love to have a date night with you, even if it's a half hour outside the house. Maybe you bring the baby, maybe you don't. But like expressing that desire that you have to want to connect and to show that she's she's loved. You got this though, dude. Mm-hmm. Um, next mm. question: Can you give advice on how to be friends with someone who has an opposite parenting approach as you? That's tough. Oh, parenting is complicated. We're just on this precipice. I feel like it's hard because the relatability kind of goes out the window when you have different parenting styles. But I think the best thing you can do is throw out judgment, throw out any type of like, how could you possibly do it this way? or, And just let people be and do parenting the way they want to. 
and try to find common ground somewhere else. And also, it does lend itself uh, to curiosity. Like, oh, interesting. Like, can you tell me about why you feed them that formula instead of this one or whatever it is? Not with, not with like the back end being, well, you're doing it wrong. And I heard yeah. that that's going to give them, you know, a lower IQ or whatever it is. It's just like a curiosity. And that, you know. We have actually, in full transparency, we have found this to be very difficult. Um, <laughs> I feel like that is kind of, it's kind of polarizing. It kind of separates friends when you parent completely different because usually your schedules are different. Usually what you're feeding your kids is different. Usually how you're interacting with them or where you're taking them. Your conversations about venting with what just happened as a parent. Everything kind of is opposite. And trying to find common ground to relate on and to like converse about is difficult. Yeah. Let's go back to the first question. It's like styles really get mm -hmm. exaggerated during parenting. And it's hard to reconcile those, especially when you're so invested in your own style mm -hmm. and like you've done the you've read whatever articles and books and like you think that's the right way. And then they're doing it differently. And maybe well, your kids are playing and, and they're t teaching and parenting yeah. your kid in their different way. It's like yeah. territorial. It's it interesting. Uh, would love your take on this listening. Anyway, next question. Do you have a favorite Bible verse that has really stuck with you? Um. The Bible verse I have tattooed on my arm. Uh, God grants grace to those who are humble. In my interpretation, I love that because I interpret it as just like there's nothing more important than humility. And I mean that in the sense of God, like being humble under God in every situation, I think is really important. I like that. Honestly, this is not that deep. <laughs> but it's affected me. Uh, Matthew 2.10 talks about the wise men finding the star of Bethlehem when they're trying to find Jesus. And they say, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think about wh where people try to chase joy. And mm -hmm. it's like building a business yeah. or getting a six-pack or making a million dollars. It's like, no, there's only, there's only so many things that can give you joy. Mm -hmm. Then there's only so many things that can give you great joy. There's probably, in my mind, only one thing that can give you exceedingly great joy. What does that even feel like? Anyway? Well, I think that honestly ties into the one that I was saying, which is just like being humble in every situation of like, I'm not deserving. I am not entitled. I am not, um, I can't expect, like being humble to whatever he's teaching me, mm. I think is really important. That's really good. Okay. That's James 4, 6. Sorry, last thing. The other one is Isaiah 42, 8. says that uh, God will not share his glory, which is, like, just dope. Like, <laughs> you can't, nothing nothing touches the glory of God. Yeah. That's, sorry. Those are theological thoughts. Go ahead. On to the next question, which is jolting. <laughs> when you got married, did you combine finances into joint accounts, or do you each have your own? Uh if you guys haven't listened to the episode yet... With Rachel Cruz, yeah. With Rachel Cruz, you should listen to it. She has amazing insight in this. Um, it was kind of a no-brainer for us. We combined everything. No. No, we didn't, actually. Um, we, we have access to the same bank accounts. Everyone has access to all the bank accounts. But I still had my bank account. You still had yours. 
And then we had the like the I guess business one, which was shared. So true. We unofficially yeah. combined everything. We didn't like delete this bank account or close out one and open up and a like new make one. new ones. It no, was, we still had s- separate. I think in my mind, they feel combined because it wasn't like a only I can use this yeah. credit card yeah. or deposit into this account. Like we shared everything 50-50 from day one. We had conversations yes. about yes. prenups. We had conversations about all these things. And to us, it was like, no, we're going, we're getting married. Well, mine, what's mine is yours. Let's figure out how to do finances together because we're doing life together. Yeah. Um, obviously, there are certain situations where like, maybe it makes sense to have a prenup. Yeah. Generally, I would say when in doubt, Sean and I are not in favor of prenups. Mm-mm. There are certain situations, but... Um, the reason being is because also Sean and I came to the table with similar situations Mm -hmm. more or less, but the reason we're not in favor generally is because the end of a story really does color in the journey that it got to get to that story. The end. If you you start separate, that doesn't help your story. (laughs) And maybe... Maybe the fact that you have to untangle all the finances is enough of a hurdle to make you push through that last conflict yeah. or something. You know what I'm saying? And it it takes away leverage of any kind. It takes away any dangling fruit of like, oh, but I still have this. You know, you don't. Like it 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 wipes the slates clean. Mm. It's not we, easy. I've gone on several tangents about this, but I think. <laughs> Sean is one of, I don't know, maybe 300 girls on the face of the earth that I could have married. Probably more, to wow. be honest. But the fact that I said, Your pool I'm was that big, huh? <laughs> wow, But the fact, the fact that we just looked at each other and said, no, you're the one that yeah. I'm going to commit to, made all the difference in her becoming the one. We did a whole episode on that, but anyway. Okay, uh, next question. It says... Don't mind me asking, but would you ever get your tubes tied or would Andrew ever get a vasectomy after baby three? We haven't really thought about it yet. I've had brief conversations, probably a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to think. I mean, that I guess that's a phase of life we're in where we're past, we're almost past having I know, children. Which is wild. But yeah, we've, we've had conversations around a vasectomy. Andrew has said, yeah, I'm down. Um, wow. I would probably say vasectomy over tubes tied. I don't know if, enough about either, but vasectomy seems more uh, quicker. Yeah. Yeah. How many people work for your company and help run your business? Ten to twelve. I always forget. It's hard yeah. to count, including Sean <laughs> and I. I don't know, but we have a wonderful team. We're immensely we grateful for them. Uh, like we talked about, we're on a lot of different platforms, and that's. Strictly because we have many generous people who uh, help us. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, we've kind of built like a little organization. I hope that mm-hmm. we've done a good job doing it. We don't know what we're doing, but we're learning on the fly. And I would, I'm proud to say I feel like everyone is like family. They're, we love them. We trust them. Yeah, it's like a family here, which we love. We've had fun learning about this whole thing transitioning out of our athletic careers next up any tips on balancing your time between work kids spouse activities friends etc yes 
I have tips. Go ahead. Prioritize them first. Then distribute your time based off of the priorities. Like if if work is number four on your list, you shouldn't be spending the most amount of time with work. Yeah, I think that's probably not the case for most people. But I, I just mean like honestly think uh having a physical calendar is probably the uh the best advice I could give. And making time for each of those things. So if you have to be at work from nine to five, you put that in your calendar and then you say, Okay, well the kids wake up at seven, I can I can be with the kids from seven to eight thirty and I can drop them off on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and you put that in your calendar, and then you say, I'm going to go on date night on Thursday night. You put that in your calendar. Yes. I'm going to take the kids on a daddy-daughter date on Wednesday. Put that in your calendar. And then that really does reveal your priorities, as Sean's talking about. I totally agree with that, because most of us work 9 to 5. <clears throat> we even work 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. but And so our time technically is weighted heavier in work. But we make sure that our weekends are protected around kids, we spend every waking second with them. We get them up in the morning. We make sure to kiss them goodnight at night. Like it's prioritize your time and make sure you have time for all of it. <laughs> you schedule it in. Last thing, we're also in a phase where, yeah, the priorities are kids, probably spouse, kids, work, friends, and activities in that order. Does that seem right? Yeah. There's a lot of overlap with us because we work together, so we're together a lot. Um, I would put friends over work only because every year when we sit down to do our goal settings and like do our calendar, we're going to fill in our friends and community stuff before we fill in work. I agree. But with the last couple of months, us trying to film enough content to get Sean and I on, on paternity leave. That's what I'm saying. You goofball. You goofball. Last, if you could launch any big project, what would it be? Wow, we just had this big discussion. Nothing. And that's that's hard to say. We're not usually the no, no big project type of people. But right now, the priority is the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, this so baby. nothing. I feel like we're being more intentional with this third child than we have been. It, just because we've learned so much. But we're really trying to protect maternity and paternity leave. We're trying to protect the holidays. We're trying to give ourselves the greatest chance of success at living in the moment and enjoying what could potentially be our last infant and trying to give enough space to still be with our other two kids and truly enjoy that. This goes so. back to the um, what have we learned? And it's like our limits. Yeah. We've had opportunities to <laughs> take over multi-million dollar companies for pennies on the dollar and run them yeah. and yeah. as much like recently as much <laughs> as we want to do that and as appealing as that sounds you see the dollar signs in your eyes um and this is much credit to sean we've fortunately had enough mentors or people pouring into our lives like the chins i remember him talking mm-hmm. about they had twins and every picture that they took he's on the phone in the background mm-hmm He's like, I wish I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. We've heard enough of those type of stories where it's like, this is a precious phase. These next five years of life, Drew will be nine. This baby will be five. And those first five, if you have kids, you know those first five years, every day is different. Every day is changing. And every day matters. It kind of slows down after that point. So we'll see yeah. what happens. But like, we want to embrace this one. 
So <clears throat> I will say to add to that, what's a project we're excited to launch? Um, it's nothing new. It's been in the works for a really long time, but I am getting really excited about it. Is Andrew and I are writing a book together. Oh, yes. And it's something, it's a topic we both really, really believe in. Mm. And we're really excited to share with you maybe in a year. <laughs> Probably longer. Probably longer. It's super, I mean, we'll tell you more. We've already alluded to it on several podcasts, but it's like very hard to communicate properly this concept but i think it could change everything uh if it is communicated well so we're finessing i think to our longtime listeners and followers you'll understand the connection the theme so anyway thank you for listening thank you for the questions um and we're thankful for you honestly there's a million podcasts you'd be listening to this one is it's special to Sean and I because it helps us connect. We help that it helps you and whoever you're listening with connect. Mm -hmm. We've heard so many wonderful stories of that being the case. And so, you know, we could make it this high stakes political interview and get a million views, but we don't want to do that. We just want to drive connection. So if you thank you for submitting all your questions, um, I think we'll probably do another one when we come back from maternity and paternity leave to answer all your questions you have about the next baby. Um, thank you for listening. If you listen this far and you haven't rated the show or subscribed or followed, please do so. That's all we got. I'm Andrew. I'm Sean. We're the East Fam. <laughs>